Presence series, uh, we've been asking for people to bring uh, testimonies and uh, experiences, and uh, Lynn's going to bring the reading and also a bit of a testimony uh, this morning, so thank you, Lynn. I'm just going to do the reading first from Ephesians chapter 3, and we've been reading from verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God lovely words there in the book of Ephesians and um, Richard asked if we wanted to give testimony Um, from this reading which is very special to me I've got stuff I wrote down years ago on this piece of paper and the words which he brought out with the children, Richard, um, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of God. And the, when I went through this really difficult time, when my marriage was breaking up and I went through a really difficult time, you feel like you're falling, don't you, sometimes, when you're having a difficult patch in your life. You feel like you're falling, 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 don't you? And yet this word here, deep, Deep, the love of God. The Greek word is bathos. It's easy to remember, isn't it? Like getting into a bath. But this bath has no bottom. And God's love is so deep, vast and empty, no bottom. Deep, so profound. So profound is love. And it just goes on and on and on. No matter how far you feel as if you're falling with trials in your life, his love is always there to cushion you and hold you, isn't it? And the length, the length of his love is, uh, the word is mega. So something really big, isn't it, is, is greatness, exceedingly wide. This is the love of God. This is what holds us in our difficult times. And the width platters, a flat platform, which is an open space that's massive. It's like being in the middle of a football field, only bigger, bigger, bigger. If you've been watching the rugby, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger space. This is how big God's love is. And I thought it was great that Richard brought those things with the kids this morning because it just really heightened, you know, what the Lord had laid on my heart to say. And the height, the height of the love of God. Um, and the word is rumor. It's a girl's name. And it means to be set on high or to be promoted. So whatever difficulty you're going through, God's love is every measurement to hold you. And when I went through this divorce, which was a terrible time, and I felt like everything was going away from me, but there was God always in the middle of all that, waiting to hold, to hold us. Because no matter where we go, we can never run away from his love. That's how big it is. And that's very encouraging to me. Thank you. Thank you, Richard.
Thanks, Lynn, for that uh, testimony. And again, we're, we've uh, still got another week, so if you've got a testimony that you want to uh, share, do let me know. It would be great to, uh, to hear from you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that once again, as we look into your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, that we would have open minds and open hearts, open ears and open lives, not only so that we can hear what you have to say to us, but so that you can actually enter into all that we are through the power of your Holy Spirit. So speak, we pray, in Jesus' name. You know the story of the little boy who went to church with his granddad, don't you? And uh, the, uh, the, the the priest goes up to the uh, up, up to the, the lectern and, and and opens the Bible, and the little boy says, "What what, what does that mean, Dad?" He says, "Well, it means he's, he's going to read from God's word." And then the, the the priest puts his hands together, and the little boy says, "What what does that mean, Dad?" He says, "It means that, that the priest is is going to speak to God." And then the priest looks at his watch and the little boy says, what does that mean? And his grandma says, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, uh, let's recap on uh, this series that we've been doing. Uh, inspiration came from uh, when we as a family went to uh, Spring Harvest earlier this year. And uh, the theme was this theme from uh, Ephesians chapter 3, immeasurably more. And uh, this is what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, this immeasurably more that God has for us. And uh, based on on this passage from Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Uh, We began movement one was about higher and uh, you know, we said, do we worship a miniature God? Have we, have we shrunk God down to a size that's more manageable to us? We said that, uh, do we need to regain our wonder of God to, uh, to, to just see how big and how vast uh, God is? Uh, and we said, do we need reminding that God, that with God there is always immeasurably more? That however far we've travelled with God, however much we've experienced, there is always more that God has for us. And then movement two was about closer. And uh, this was about a closer encounter with God. And we talked about a closer encounter of a religious kind, about the different things that we do to try and encounter God. But we said that uh, the immeasurably more was it was a closer encounter that goes beyond religion into a, a relationship and an experience of God. And a closer encounter, closer than you can think or imagine. God wants to get as close as possible to us. And then the movement three, last week we were, we were going deeper. And we talked about deeper roots in God. Um, if we want to, to grow, we need to have deeper roots in God. We talked about experiencing deeper waters with Jesus. And that Jesus wants to call us out to deeper waters And we talked about a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so this week, uh, as we continue movement four in our immeasurably more is wider. Immeasurably more wider. And uh, again, this is is a passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, these last couple of verses now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask 
or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So, movement four, wider. And uh, it's really about widening our concept of what is possible. We're going to be thinking about trying to stretch uh, what we uh, actually think is possible uh, in God. It is that what if. You know, what if God was really as good as his word? What if God could really bring justice to the poor? What if God could really set the captives free? What if God really could heal the brokenhearted? What if God really could heal the sick? It's that what if. What if. What if. Widening our concept of of what is possible with and through God. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is, is wider asking. Paul says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. More than we ask. Jesus, doesn't he? He says, uh, you know, knock and the door, seek and you will find, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus encourages the disciples to ask. But do we need to widen what we ask for? Have we actually, as we were talking about last week, settled for immeasurably less? Have we settled for the immeasurably less rather than the immeasurably more? And, you know, what stops us for asking more? What is it that stops us asking God for more? Well, I guess there's all sorts of reasons, but I guess one of the big reasons maybe is to do with disappointments. Hands up here if you've ever been disappointed by God. Just look around. Uh, Lots of hands. Lots of hands go up. Brave, brave to put your hands up and and, and thank you for for doing that. And uh, I'll raise my hand as as well. Because there are times when, uh, if we're actually honest... And uh, we do want to, we, we can be honest with each other, but we can also be honest with God. We've got to be honest, and at times we're disappointed because we've asked for stuff. And I, I'm not talking about, you know, asking for England to, to, to win the rugby match because, you know, some things are impossible, aren't they? But I'm talking about serious things. You know, we've asked for somebody to get better who's desperately ill. Uh, we've asked for a relationship to be healed. Um, we've asked for all sorts of things and we've been left disappointed because it appears that God hasn't answered our prayers. And, and we talked about the difficulty of, of unanswered prayers a few weeks ago when we were doing that whole series on prayer. And we've all got those disappointments that we have with God. And, of course, the danger is uh, the best way to avoid disappointment is not to expect anything from anyone. 
Lower your expectations and you won't be disappointed. Don't expect anybody to help you. Don't expect anybody to do anything for you and you won't be disappointed. The problem is sometimes we actually transfer that approach not just to other people but to God. We lessen our expectancy of, about what God can do and maybe we even stop asking. Do you remember that Jesus was constantly, or quite often, uh, referring to the fact that we need to become uh, like little children. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I've noticed this with, with my children. Uh, they ask, and, and, and I might say no. Uh, but it doesn't stop them asking again. And I might say no again. And, and they, they, they keep on asking. They, they, they don't seem to be deterred by the fact that they're getting this cold shoulder, this door slammed in the face. They keep hammering on the door. They, they think they can wear me down. And then they go on to the, their mother and they stand a much better chance. Um, but the problem is, 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 is we, sometimes we just stop asking, don't we? Because our prayers haven't been answered and we think, what's the point? You know, why should I bother God? Because I've, I've, I've asked about this really important thing and God didn't answer. And so why bother asking, troubling God with the, with the trivial things? Paul says that uh, we need to ask for immeasurably more. In, in his book, um, Chris Rogers says, there's a danger that our disappointments in fact, in prisoners in fear, we ask ourselves, what if I pray for a miracle and nothing happens? So we don't pray in case we are disappointed. And many of us can identify with that uh, quote. We don't pray because we've been disappointed. It's, uh, but, but the danger is that we do become imprisoned. And he says the reality is that rather than focusing on the wider work of the Holy Spirit, we focus on the storm, mountain or catastrophe before us. We see the problem as bigger than the God of more. This canon will cripple us as it tells us that God isn't as powerful as we hoped for dreamed. God isn't able or capable. May I suggest that we dare to hold our disappointment and cynicism while at the same time having a growing sense of anticipation of something God could be doing. And I like that because there is this tension between what we read and what we believe about God and what we actually experience in real life. And we do have to hold this tension of being terribly disappointed about things that haven't worked out without losing that anticipation of the, the what if. And the psalmists do this very well, don't they? The, the, a lot of the psalms, they, 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 they start off with, in crying out to God, but by the end of the psalm, they, they, they've turned the psalm around to praise. And the psalmists seem to be able to hold these things in tension that, in, in a sense, are almost opposites. And we have to try and do that if we're going to discover that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. Sometimes when, uh, when people are praying, uh, you might have noticed this if you've been in a, in a prayer meeting, uh, that this word just comes up quite often. Lord, would you just do this? Lord, would you just do that? Lord, would you just... And there's a sense in which even those prayers, you know, 
Do we just want this? Do we just want that? Or do we want God to do more? There is this danger that we do settle for the immeasurably less. Because maybe that's been our experience. But our experiences um, do shape us, they mould us and they make us into the people that we are. But God wants to do immeasurably more with us. He doesn't want to leave us in our brokenness and in our disappointment and in our heartache. And uh, he wants us to ask for immeasurably more. And then we move on to, uh, to wider thinking. Wider thinking. In the Good News Bible and, and, in, and in, in other versions, it actually uh, uses this word thinking instead of imagining. It says, to him who by means of his power working in us is able to do much more than we can ever ask for or even think of. And what we think is really important because... Um, What we think can limit what we ask for. What we think can limit what we ask for. Um, last week, uh, last Saturday actually, uh, I, I was speaking at a friend's induction. And uh, you may have noticed that I'm, 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 I'm quite dependent on, on, on PowerPoint. <laughs> you perhaps not noticed that. Um, but can you believe it? Five minutes before the service, as I was plugging my stuff into, in, into, in, into their system, uh, my computer wouldn't load. <sighs> Disaster. And uh, fortunately, I, I'd, I'd saved it to a disk and, and the, the, the disaster wasn't as disastrous as it could have been. But the next day, do you know what I did? I, I went to Ben. And I said, can you have a look at my computer? Why did I go to Ben? Because Ben sorted out my computer before. And uh, sure enough, in a few moments, he had my computer up and running. Um, you know, what we think, what we believe about people affects whether we go to them or not. If we think somebody can help us, we'll go to them. And of course, it's the same with God. If we, We're not going to go to God unless we think that God is able to do something uh, about our situation. It's wider thinking as opposed to narrow thinking. Wider thinking as opposed to narrow thinking. You know, uh, some people have already made their mind up what they think. And it doesn't matter what anybody says, they've already decided. They've made up their minds. And uh, Jesus encountered this, of course, with, uh, with, the, uh, with, with the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't think that Jesus could possibly be from God because of the things that he did, because of the things that he said. Uh, they didn't think that he could possibly be uh, the Son of God, let alone God himself. Uh, Chris Candish in his, his book, Disciples, says, the person they were longing for was standing right in front of them, but they could not see him. They were so busy looking for a needle that they missed the haystack. It was exactly because they thought they had the Bible all sewn up that they missed the Messiah. They had made up their minds and did not want to be confused by the facts. Jesus did not fit into their box. We've talked about before about putting God in a box, haven't we? And uh, deciding that that's what God looks like, that's how God works. And anything that, that is outside of that box obviously isn't God because we've decided, we've made up our minds about it. The disciples didn't think. Uh, they didn't think uh, that Jesus could possibly calm a storm when they were in that boat. 
Uh, it was beyond what they thought was possible. Uh, they didn't think uh, that they would possibly be able to walk on water. And yet Peter, the disciple, even though it was only for a few moments, had that experience of walking on water. They didn't uh, think that they could feed 5,000 people with uh, five loaves and two fishes. They didn't think that that was possible. And uh, they certainly didn't think it was possible for a man to come back from the dead, even though Jesus told him, Dolden, that's exactly what he was going to do. What we think affects how we behave and how we relate. And maybe we need to widen the way we think about God and about Jesus. And uh, we need to think wider. Truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And here's the even more, the immeasurably more. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus talks about the fact that we will do the same things as he did. And even greater things. And of course, people... Uh, argue and debate and think about what that actually means. I, I don't think it means that we're going to do actually individual greater things than Jesus. Uh, but corporately, uh, the people of God, uh, you know, and, and, and numerically, as, as the gospel spread out, have been able to do immeasurably more because we've reached so many more people. You know, when Jesus uh, died, he, he, he had a handful of followers. Uh, if, if you open the book of Acts straight away, uh, the, the, the disciples, when Peter preaches, uh, 3,000 people respond, immeasurably more. I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the fact that you will do greater things. Uh, Rob Bell in his book, Velvet Elvis, says this. This is strange, isn't it, talking about uh, why the disciples followed him. Why would they just drop their nets? Why would, why would they uh, quit their jobs for some rabbi they'd never met? To have a rabbi say, you can be like me, of course you would. Of course you'd drop your net. The rabbi believes you can do what he does. He thinks you can be like him. Jesus chose those 12 disciples and, and, and filled them with all these uh, knowledge and ideas about what they were capable of. And Jesus thought that they were capable of much more than they believed themselves they were capable of. And I think it's the same today. Uh, we don't only limit God, uh, we limit how much God can work through us because for some strange reason God has chosen to work through us and in us. And he wants to do immeasurably more. So wider thinking. And then finally it's about a wider imagining. About a wider imagining. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Have you got a good imagination? How good's your imagination? I've got a great imagination. I can, I can imagine all sorts of things. I can even imagine Manchester United being top of the table again. I can, I, I can imagine that. Um, can you imagine things? Has God blessed you with a, an, an imagination? I like the way the message version puts it. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. I don't know about you, but I have some pretty wild dreams. And God says, 
He can do immeasurably more even than those wild dreams that you sometimes have. This is about stretching our imaginations. Maybe you've been praying for somebody for weeks, months, years. Can you imagine that person that you're praying for, their life being turned around and changed? Can you imagine it? about stretching our imaginations. The resurrection reminds us that what was dead yesterday could be alive again today. Maybe there's things in our life, you know, that we think, well, that's dead, that's gone. And the resurrection reminds us that God is actually in the business of resurrecting dead things. But it's not just um, dead things um, we can be um, dead and alive at the same time, can't we? Do you remember in the story of the prodigal son when the father goes out to the older son when the younger son's returned? He has this strange little phrase, your brother was dead and now he's alive again. Well, actually, the brother wasn't physically dead, was he? He was off uh, partying and spending all the father's inheritance. Um, but there's a sense in which he was spiritually dead. And the father says, your brother was dead and now he's alive again. Remember Jesus said, you know, let the dead go and bury the dead. I don't think he was talking about zombies. But I think he was talking about people who are spiritually dead. And maybe some of us have died spiritually. And yet we're still going through the motions. We might still be even attending church. Although inside something within us has died. And maybe it goes back to those disappointments, those un- unanswered prayers. Now, to him who is able to do immensely more than we ask or imagine, notice it says, according to his power that is at work within us. And Paul, of course, here is talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit used to be just given to special people. You know, priests and prophets. And then this amazing thing happened after Jesus had died. And uh, the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. And Peter, when he stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Something dramatically changed here because God's spirit was being poured out on all people, not just special people. And there's a danger that we still think today that the Holy Spirit is just poured out on special people. And I've saw some people um, like that if, if they're the special people. In fact, some people seem to think that they have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And they want to decide who's got the Holy Spirit. This person's filled with the Holy Spirit. This person isn't. This church is filled with the Holy Spirit. This church isn't. As if they can, could control the Holy Spirit. Of which, of course, you can't control the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, like God, will do what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants. And the good news is, it does say all people. And that means it includes us because we are part of that all people. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life 
as well as my life. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, and if this if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. In other words, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Wow. That same powerful Holy Spirit is living in you. And will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That same Holy Spirit. So don't let people put you down. Don't let people... You know, we, we do categorise people. Oh, this person's terribly spiritual. They're full of the Holy Spirit. As if... And to say that this person isn't. And like I say, some people thrive in that. But also there are other people that die in that. Because they don't think they've got the Holy Spirit living in them. Chris Rogers says in his book, Immeasurably More, there's a growing number of Muslims coming to faith because God is up to something in dreams. These dreams are part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Either the Holy Spirit is making a mistake and going to the wrong people, or he is widening the remit of the religious cul-de-sac and calling more people to look to Christ than in our narrow boxes allow us to think possible. The Spirit has left the building whether we like it or not quite like that the Holy Spirit has left the building whether we like it or not and is at work in the lives of people and sometimes our job is just to recognise it as Chris says there's lots of stories about Muslims who are coming to faith because of dreams the Holy Spirit can work in people that do not believe in Jesus Christ we shouldn't limit the Holy Spirit oh he can work in this person but he can't work in that person and we do, don't we? we? Sometimes we find it difficult to imagine somebody's life being transformed. And yet, the good news from Paul in Ephesians is that God is able to do immeasurably more than you and I ask for, than you and I think is possible, or you and I could possibly imagine. There is immeasurably more. So let's ask even though at times we'll be disappointed. Let's think. Let's really engage with Scripture. Let's look at what Scripture says, but also let's look at what Scripture doesn't say. Let's not be hoodwinked by people that that think that they have got a monopoly on God and the Holy Spirit and everything else. And let's try to imagine. Let's try to imagine what our lives would look like if God had his way. Let's try to imagine what our church would look like if we just surrendered to God and we just said, you know, come on Holy Spirit, do what you want. Imagine what our communities would look like if we could see the Holy Spirit working out there in the lives of people. You know, every church has a, has a sign, there's, there's, there's signs everywhere saying fire exit. Can you see them? They're all around the buildings. Fire exit. Look at that sign and be re- reminded that that's the Holy Spirit going out there with you and in you, but already out there working in the lives of the people. So take note of those little green signs and just be a reminder that the Holy Spirit's out there. And look for him at work. In your neighbours, in the place of work, at school, colleges, everywhere. See if you can see where the Holy Spirit is working. And then come back and share. Give testimony to what you've seen.